Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Vice and Easy. Uh, So last week, I was saying that I wasn't really looking forward to doing this episode because of the dark subject matter. And then unfortunately, like the rest of you, I heard the news about Bruce Willis' diagnosis. Um, If you haven't heard, his ex-wife and his children released statements on social media revealing that Bruce has been diagnosed with aphasia. And it's a condition that impedes the body's ability to communicate. Uh, So I don't want to say it is a form of dementia but unfortunately it's very similar and he's only 67 years old so what a career what a great guy so it's very bittersweet to do this episode but i guess if you look on the bright side this was his first credited tv role so this week we kind of really get to appreciate the start of his career and I'm just going to jump into a couple um, housekeeping notes. I want to say thank you very much for all the feedback and constructive criticism. Um, I am listening. And so in April, I hope to be a little bit less busy with work. Um, and I want to put a little bit more effort. And um, I got a great recommendation to do clips on the YouTube videos of the podcast um, to try to sync them with what I'm talking about in the story. So that is something I originally planned to do. It just turned out to be a huge pain in the butt. Now that I'm getting a little bit better at at um, integrating media into the podcast. It should be something hopefully I can provide for you guys within uh, within the month of April. So fingers crossed. Uh, but let's get down to the episode. I am going to just do a slight trigger warning that this episode deals with spousal abuse, uh, domestic violence being the theme of the episode, sexual assault, and... <sighs> Unfortunately, a lot of really other sad things. So feel free to skip ahead. This is not the episode for everybody. It is very hard to watch, even with somebody as enigmatic and caring and as nice as Bruce Willis is in real life. He is terrifying in this episode. Let's get down to it. This week's episode is season one, episode seven, entitled No Exit. The synopsis, Crockett and Tubbs form an uneasy alliance with the feds to bring down a notorious arms dealer, played by guest star Bruce Willis, who is trying to unload a shipment of Stinger missiles. Fortunately, the arms dealer's battered wife is only too happy to help the boys nail her vile husband. Opening scene, you know it's Miami, you know it's humid, you know it's hot, because guess how hot it is at seven in the morning. Stanley Switek, uh, coming at you from beautiful downtown Miami Beach, where the temperature is 102 degrees at seven of the AM. Now I know some of you are listening from countries from a colder climate and I will, I'm here to tell you <laughs> the last time I was in Las Vegas, it was in July and it was 106 degrees and I was doing a night tour, um, actually super cool, the Neon Boneyard where you get to kind of see old neon signs and it's a walking tour. They had to give us all water and make us, I put on sunscreen. <laughs> to do this night walk it was so hot and that's not even with the humidity with the humidity and 102 degrees it is unbearable so again this is a very 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 toasty day and people people are feeling the heat they're doing a stakeout on ocean boulevard i can see uh, in the clip i got of castillo that it's 14th and ocean and we don't really know what's going on you kind of just keep messaging back with each other on walkie-talkie and of course i include a pic of the walkie-talkie on the gallery as always at viceandeasypodcast.com so aside from that um we kind of get a little bit more these two guys come up to crockett and they're asking for something and crockett's southern accent 
which is funny because Don Johnson is actually from Missouri, so he should have a better accent than this. But this is what Crockett sounds like. And into a little snag. I'm gonna need a couple more days. Hey, no snag, no more days. The money's in the bag. Open it, please. <laughs> and before we get to that, so I actually really like this stakeout. So Trudy is teaching um, aerobics. It's not really Tai Chi. It's kind of like light aerobics to a group of elderly women. Tubbs and Zito are talking to these two nice old guys. Tubbs is in jeans. So it's kind of like a, it's like a fun little stakeout. You know, everyone's kind of got their, their places set. Um, so Crockett obviously traps this guy. As soon as the guy tries to reach into the money, grabs him in the car, spins him around. The other guy runs off with an Uzi, just firing blindly on Ocean Boulevard in Miami Beach at seven in the morning. Tubbs obviously gets very scared, very heated, runs down to protect a girl because afterwards they jump into this like very dingy looking van and fire off a machine gun that's affixed to the van and just like wheeling it back left and right, left and right, left and right. People are screaming. People are running out of their minds. Tubbs is understandably, incredibly visibly, visibly shaken and he has good reason to as he explains in this next clip. I want to know who's selling you punks machine guns! Hey, calm down, Tubbs. Calm down. I will not calm down. Machine guns affect my ability to perform, and I don't like that. Uh, yeah. Totally justified. <laughs> so after that, they cut to the intro, cut back to an interrogation room, and I really like the shot here. It's Tubbs and Crockett on either side of this guy. I totally forgot what this guy's name was. I do apologize. But basically some, like, um kind of like redneck guy who you know normally that's not really what they're into is like heavy artillery you know i think it's just kind of some some small weapons deals not machine guns basically gives it this name tony amato and i want you to keep that in mind because that's going to be played later by bruce willis and then when crockett and tubbs are asking castillo to get court orders and warrants to bug the house castillo brings up a very interesting point Runner's name is Tony Amato. We need court orders for a tap on the phone, the house, the boat, the office, the car, everything, the whole enchilada. Amato's an international gun merchant. Sometimes smuggler. Why the street? So naturally, who is their guy to go to for this stuff? It's our guy Lester, Lester with the plastics. So they actually go to stake out this house and this is the pink house. It's super iconic. There's tons of TikToks and Instagrams of it. It's still around. You can see I put on the gallery, I put the Google Street Google Street View picture of it. Uh, still exists, still pretty much looks the same. I would love to go to an open house tour of this house. It's beautiful. It's right on the ocean. Uh, so it's super iconic. I think I took, a, I want to say like five pictures of it and put on the gallery this week. So this is where we see Bruce Willis. We see his wife and we see his handler. And this handler I'm going to get into later on the episode because he is my choice for best dress this episode. So aside from that, they need to get into the house, bug the house, and do it very, very, very quick. 30 seconds. And in case you're wondering about Florida law, Florida is actually a two-party consent uh, consent state. And what that means is that both parties have to consent to being recorded for that evidence to then be admissible into court. Some states are one-party consent where, let's say, I can just record a conversation with someone on the phone and then bring that to my lawyer and say, hey, this guy said he'd do this. I have him on tape. Florida doesn't play that way, which is actually surprising. So fun things I learned. 
I need to have like a little like Florida law um, sound effect. And it's just, oh, I think I have one. <laughs> and that was your Florida law gator minute. <laughs> we do not play into stereotypes at all in this podcast. This is a very, <laughs> this is a very highbrow podcast we got here. Uh, so basically the next scene is that they're doing surveillance from Crockett's houseboat. Don't know why they couldn't have used something at someone else's boat. I don't know. Maybe because it just looked natural. Like it looks like someone's house because it is someone's house. <laughs> so, you know, maybe Tony wouldn't be surprised, but, or, you know, none of his goons would question why this houseboat's parked across. But so be it for me. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to get too deep into that. Uh, but it's funny. So Tubbs is playing around with the... Uh, with the telescope and puts it on double power because Lester's kind of telling him like telling him what you know what you can really do with this how much you can really surveil and he points it immediately to this beautiful blonde woman working out in a pink bodysuit pink leotard big hair and keep in mind wasn't it 102 degrees in the morning and this is what the afternoon maybe it's the next day but it's still probably very toasty you know <laughs> Poor girl. Maybe she's, you know, maybe she has to like lose weight for boxing or something or so be it. Probably she's a model. Let's, let's be real. But yeah, she must be mighty toasty in there. The equipment that Lester brings on the boat is actually very fancy. And again, I know this is 1984. So this looks like nothing to us now. Like it looks big and janky, but basically it's able to deduce the phone number that someone is calling just by the tones. It's sonic integrated. He kind of goes on this little spiel that, you know, it has XYZ and XYZ and Crockett does not understand a word he's saying. So I know it's funny to us looking back at this now in 2022, but yeah, for 1984, this was very advanced. However, someone is watching them watch them and a dinghy paddles up. Just like in episode two, Heart of Darkness, Miami Vice and the feds don't really get along, as we can see by this federal agent. Bag it down, Slam. Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Oh my God, how rude. <laughs> I do love they both hate each other. It makes for a very interesting dynamic. But they explain a little bit more about why they're there and uh, are they gonna work together? We're here to take over your operation. We're in place. You're not. That's easily changed. Can have your bugs cleaned out and ours installed by tomorrow. Look, you guys are out of your league on this. Yeah, what we are is here. What we're not is leaving. That is a very saucy line from Tubbs. I like that a lot. So basically, the Fred, the feds kind of reveal a little bit more information about their why they're really there. Basically, the feds say that Tony's waiting on missiles with about three and a half mile range, and. Crockett can't understand why this guy would want missiles. Like, so it turns out that they robbed an armory, National Guard armory. So these are actual American military grade weapons that are now in the hands of an international arms dealer. So it's all pretty bad. So feds want the missiles if Vice wants to take Tony. Now, trigger warning for this scene. Tony and his wife are getting ready to go to a party. Tony's wife is dressed in a long kind of wrap silk purple dress. I think she looks very pretty. Um, I do not like how Miami Vice styled any woman in their 30s <laughs> because they just make them look so dowdy, but she actually looks very nice here. And her name is Rita. And in real life, it's Catherine Borowitz, but she is married to someone very famous and very beloved by not only just this podcast host, but by many others. And we'll talk about more of that in Vice Tea. 
um, basically, this is where we kind of get to see that, surprise, surprise, this international arms dealer is kind of a jerk off. And I'm not going to play the clip just because it gets really rough, really violent, really fast. But basically, Crockett is getting really uncomfortable watching this. He really wants to bring this guy in. Um, Tony basically doesn't approve of what his wife is wearing. Um, kind of gives two different reasons. Basically, not really saying that it's revealing, but saying that she doesn't know how to dress, that she wouldn't know how to button up a button. And he tells her to go change. And she says that she wants to leave him. He pushes her into the pool, ends up leaving for the party without her and, you know, blowing off the henchman when he asks about her. Again, this henchman, I will repeat and repeat again, best dressed character of the whole episode. <laughs> love this man. Love whoever's styling him. I love it. And so on the boat while they're doing surveillance, Crockett's getting really incensed and says that he didn't become a cop to spectate. And Tubbs says that we're going to nail this guy. Let's do it. Let's nail him. So as we can kind of gather from how they've gone about this in previous episodes, they need a lot of charges and they need a lot of information on Tony before they can really get anywhere. And so the next scene, Rita is fully clothed, wet, soaking from being pushed in the pool by Tony Amato. She's calling a woman for help. The woman kind of insinuates that she can help her situation if she wants to take it further. I took it and Crockett took it as that she wants her husband killed. So Crockett presents this information to the feds and to the vice crew the next day. Look, if she takes him out, it blows us all out of the water. I'm willing to take the chance that that is not going to happen. You've got Tony Amato under a lot of eyes. He's safer now than he's ever been. Dupas is arriving today. Amato has never seen him. We're in an ideal position to move to the next step. We're going to pick up Dupas at the airport and replace him with Paul. Paul? How long have you been doing undercover? I've done some assignments along the way. Yeah, and I'll bet you took drama in high school. To be fair, this guy is pretty baby-faced, so I could understand that Crockett and Tubbs aren't really willing to put their investigation on the line for someone who might be 25 years old. Might be. So once again, Vice and the feds have different paths they want to take. And <sighs> Crockett and Tubbs want to handle this. So what they're going to do is get the vice team at the airport. Zito and Switek are there, both kind of working, but not actually talking to each other, just walking through this airport. Very stylish, very beautiful. And Switek, nope, sorry, Zito is in a palm tree t-shirt, which I took a picture of. So basically they apprehend this guy, Dupas, because again, Amato's never seen him. So they apprehend this guy, Tubbs... <laughs> comes out of the bathroom in his outfit and it looks so Hunter S. Thompson. It's the glasses, it's the hat, it's the shirt. Please look at the gallery. You need to see this. It is hilarious. And so Tebs ends up going outside of the airport looking for the red Maserati as he, you know, knew Dupas was going to be looking for, gets in the car with the henchmen and the feds are behind him. He's going off to meet Tony Amato while Crockett is listening on the houseboat. I keep calling it his houseboat. Okay, the surveillance boat, the St. Vitus dance, whatever whatever you want to call it. Elvis's, Elvis's quarters. Uh, there was a great picture of Elvis being fed an entire rotisserie chicken. <laughs> Please see that in the gallery as well. So basically in short, Crockett is listening to the wiretap call of Rita, Tony Amato's wife, talking to a guy and they're going to go meet up in an hour. And I guess you can kind of sense where this is going. So Crockett sees the guy, 
shows his badge, tells him to get out of here, assumes his place to try to talk to Rita. And as much as Crockett is very sensitive and does want to protect her, I do have to remind myself this is 1984 and the discourse around abusive relationships maybe is was not as progressive as it is today because he in short basically asked her why don't you leave him and i'll play this light next clip and let you see for yourselves my choice oh if only i had a choice but i don't he does you can leave him don't you think i've tried lady i only know what you tell me well, I tried. And then she goes on to tell the story that she got a lawyer. She told Tony she was going to leave him and that she was going to get the money to pay for this lawyer. In short, he sent his goons after the lawyer's wife, waited until the lawyer's wife was alone, raped her, told the wife that her husband should mind his own business and that if he doesn't, they were going to co go back for the daughter. Jeez, yeah, it's it's really heavy. And I do appreciate that Miami Vice was letting people know that it's not as simple as why don't you just leave him when you're financially dependent on somebody, when they've cut off your access to your family and your friends. It's very hard to have the resources to leave him, no matter how much will you have or her. You know, abuse goes both ways. I don't want to diminish that at all. So I do think that they were trying to be progressive and I will commend them for that. And I do think Crockett's heart is in the right place. And it's not just as simple as why don't you leave him? And when Rita is retelling the story, she keeps blaming herself about what happened to the wife and says she has no place to turn. And Crockett asks her if she wants him to kill him, but now she doesn't. She's struggling because she says that she wishes him dead every minute, but she can't do it this way. And then he reveals that he isn't who she thinks he is. He's actually a cop and that he wants to help her. And so she actually does join him and go back to the precinct. He is very sweet. He's trying to comfort her and he's trying to explain the game plan that she does have to go back home. She doesn't want, um, he doesn't want her to change her schedule or routine and have Tony be tipped off to anything. And it is sweet while he's um, talking this next clip, he does hold her hand to show that he's really there. We'll be right there every minute. Can you do that, Rita? Can you buy us some time? She does agree to work with them. She really does want him put away and the more charges they can rack up against him, the better chance they have of putting away him away for good. However, Castillo brings up a very interesting point. Okay. We haven't heard from everyone on this one. There's got to be someone else waiting in the wings in Washington. Hmm. So they haven't heard from everybody. So I think Castillo doesn't have a good feeling about this and he probably has good cause to. In the next scene, Tubbs still looking stylish as ever. Tubbs S. Thompson. That's going to be his name in this episode. Tubbs S. Thompson. So he's undercover at a demonstration to see what these missiles can do. Basically, in short, the guy is explaining that the missiles can go up to, you know, three and a half meters, no, three and a half miles 
sorry, that's the Canadian coming out three and a half miles and that they can hit an aircraft and take it down without having it look like an explosion and then proceed to test it out. I will just be very superficial here and say that Bruce Willis looks great. He's in not really a royal blue, but it's a very vivid electric blue with white pants. It looks incredibly handsome. Just want to throw that out there. And so the next scene, they're at a club, kind of talking over the logistics and the pricing. Basically, Tubbs is able to negotiate the price down because he will be in charge of, quote, port of entry by bringing it back into Jamaica. It's a little hard to smuggle missiles into another country. So understandably, he's able to negotiate the price down from 75000 to 675 Trigger warning for this next scene. Uh, we're back surveilling Tony Amato's house from the houseboat. Crockett is surveilling while Tony's calling out for Rita, apologizing, wanting to show her the earrings he bought her. And the song playing is Stay With Me, which is this really beautiful romantic song by Teddy Pendergrass. And Jesus, how dark, like just the juxtaposition of what unfolds. I took a few, few pictures because they actually are styled beautifully. Again, Bruce Willis is in the blue shirt and the white pants. And Rita is in this kind of like very beautiful negligee. And she does look very beautiful and very scared. And Crockett's so frustrated that he can't help her. He's hearing her being beat again. They also insinuate, insinuate um, sexual assault. And he just can't help but blame himself. you heard is actually not Tony putting his hands on his wife. I don't, I'm trying not to include those clips in the episode because it's not great for anyone listening in the car and listening with children or what have you, but he's actually, Crockett just kind of smacks the mast of his boat in anger. And again, as Tony is making these excuses, he says, quote, I only did that because I love you. And all right next scene Tubbs looks great in purple that's my note Tubbs looks handsome as always I think half of this podcast is just me talking about how handsome Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas are which to be fair is the truth so now even more incensed as to seeing what kind of monster of how much of a monster Tony Amato is Crockett and Tubbs are even more incensed and they really want to nail him and the feds basically just want to take him up on the missiles charges get the missiles off the street and that's that. And so this argument parlays in Castillo's office in this next clip. You get yours. Just let us get a chance to get Tony Amato, not just the missiles. There's something about this deal that Jim told us. Another element, maybe? No. Why? Your eyes. I want the stingers off the street. What kind of chance to get Amato? Give us till tomorrow. When tomorrow? Tomorrow! Tomorrow! Morning, afternoon, when? They're gonna call me tomorrow at noon. And so during this call at noon, Tubbs is gonna be able to see the inventory and, you know, basically set up his fake deal from there. So cut to another scene. Zito and Switek are being hustled by a 13-year-old pool shark. I included a photo. It may just be a smaller build man. That's not how you say it in English. Just a man with a smaller build, but 
he also kind of looks like he's like 14 years old, which I think is even funnier. Uh, so they're doing surveillance. Crockett and Tubbs and another fed are doing surveillance. Watching Tony, Tony gets a call that this guy dropped out. Tony's kind of freaking out, talking to this guy, and bends down and discovers something. He spotted the bug. What are you gonna do? I'm trying to save this thing, man. So what Tubbs does is he calls Tony, pretending to be Dupas, and claims that he's also being surveilled and therefore wants to drop out of the deal. However, Tony proposes that they still meet. Look, we can close this deal right now. I'm thinking about getting on an airplane, man, and getting out of here, you know? I don't feel too secure. What are you trying to do, grab me on a price? No, I'm And what, what is it, look? All right, look. You check the inventory out. Then you don't feel secure, you get on a plane. Boom, you're out of here. We can close the deal long distance. Gabish? Cool. Is that Phil Collins I hear? Is that I don't care anymore coming on the background? It is. So basically in short, um, Dupas, aka Tubbs, and Tony agree to meet in an hour, and Crockett calls everybody and says the deal's going down now it's not actually happening tomorrow so of course since this is miami they're gonna go meet at some random port (laughs) so first uh tony meets tubbs aka dupas at the airport rips open his shirt kind of tackles him to try to see if he's wearing a wire tubbs naturally is incensed grabs his shirt tries to see if he's wearing a wire um (laughs) Tony's itching to make the deal, and again, Tubbs' Dupas is kind of like trying to slowly pump the brakes on. He's being a little bit apprehensive and says he'll take a look at the inventory. So basically, when they arrive at the port, everyone's staked out, um, and Crockett's kind of sneaking around the background. One of Amato's goons thinks he sees Crockett. Crockett's able to hide, and then Dupas says, Tubbs, sorry, I'm just going to say Tubbs. Tubbs says he likes what he sees hands over the cash, and the feds, again, blow the cover early. And Tony finds out that Tubbs is a cop. And in this next clip, Crockett calls Rita to tell her the good news. Rita. We got him. Is he dead? No. We're taking him in now. I don't think anyone who watched this episode disagrees with her way of thinking. For her... The only way she probably thought that she would ever get out of this is if he were dead. So hearing that he's been booked and that the cops are on her side and they want to take him in and they want to put him away bars for a long, long, long time is a little sense of comfort to her. But, you know, is it enough? So the next scene is the courthouse scene. Crockett and Tubbs are bringing Amato in. However... They get stopped, not only by the feds, but by another agency that has really bad news. I have a court order for the release of Tony Amato. Release? He hasn't even been charged. And he won't be. Amato is useful to us. No outside intervention, huh? We were about to arraign Amato when they showed up. I don't like this any more than you do. Who are you? FBI? CIA? Wow, 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 wow. A lot of things to take from this. Number one, Castillo was right. Castillo had this sense that someone was waiting in the wings for Tony. He said that. He 
distrusted the feds. And to be fair, the feds weren't the ones that swept the rug out from underneath them. It's another government agency, unnamed. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's the CIA. I wonder why I would say that. Is their end of a conduit. Through him, certain factions in Central and South America are supplied without embarrassing us. Supplied? Guys like Dupas? Yeah. Give me the key. Lieutenant. Wow, wow, wow. Disappointed, but not surprised, as they say. So Castillo ends up taking the key and unfortunately, because he's done this before as one of the one of the agents snarkily announces because he knows that Crockett and Tubbs wouldn't, have, wouldn't be able to do it themselves. And this is really disappointing. And it's not only the fact that once again, Crockett and Tubbs are undermined, not just by the criminal they apprehended and followed and built a case against, but by another government agency that's using them for their own interests. I try to tell you, fellas, I got the juice. Rita! You're letting him go! Rita? No! Um, my notes for that scene? For just, quote, honestly, good for her. And that's the end of the episode. It segues into the credits. Oof, that was a tough one, and... I do apologize that this episode isn't as fun as other ones. It's just a very difficult subject matter to get through. And then with the recent news of Bruce Willis, I wanted to try to think about happy, positive, happy, happy, positive things about him. So my vice tea this episode is going to be dedicated to him. Let's let's start. As I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, this episode of Miami Vice No Exit was Bruce Willis's first credited television role, he would later go on to star in Moonlighting the next year, which would land him an Emmy. But before that, what did Bruce Willis do before that? Well, man after my own heart, he was a bartender and he was known as a quite a prolific bartender on the Upper West Side of New York. Bars such as Kamikaze and Cafe Central. There's one more, I cannot read my handwriting. I will try to fix that in post editing. He had a reputation for being a great bartender, great person, great father, great actor all-around great guy. Um, I do love the pictures of him bartending. He looks great. You can see them on Google. Um, and I believe in the video for, um, it's not Express Yourself, but the music video that he released, his big his big song, his big debut, he is in a bar and I believe he is doing splits on a pool table. So I like that he never really, you know, tried to hide that side of himself. Um, I never actually got to see Moonlighting. I still cannot find it streaming anywhere, but that was basically his big TV breakthrough. Then obviously Die Hard in 1998. Um, and then he kind of went through like a little slump in the 90s, even though I love The Last Boy Scout. But I guess to be fair, he had a little bit of a slump before Armageddon in The Sixth Sense. All amazing roles. Um, just really sad news all around. Just keeping him and his family, you know, in our hearts with this horrible news and just wishing that he can continue to live a full, fulfilling life despite this diagnosis of aphasia. And now I'll get into Rita. So Rita is played by an actress named Catherine Borowitz. And she's also known as Catherine Turturro because she is married to John Turturro. They have been married since 1985 and have three children. They both guest starred on Miami Vice in the first season. And you'll know him, I know him from uh, Mr. Deeds to live a die in LA and he's currently playing Irv or Irving on Severance on Apple TV Plus which you have not seen definitely go check it out it is worth 
finding someone's Apple TV Plus login. Uh, the only shows I've really watched on Apple TV Plus, Physical, which is very dark. It's not, it's very dark 80s, let's put it that way. I remember there was one episode where I just got triply triggered. Like there were just three really traumatic scenes. I was like, oh my God. But it is, it's an interesting story. I think it could hopefully it'll get better in the second season. Acapulco, which I've spoken about on this show before. It is a very sweet uh, bilingual show. And my favorite, my favorite character, Don Pedro, is always wearing different colored leisure suits, like short sleeve leisure suits. And he looks, I cannot pronounce that word, leisure suits. Um, it just looks so handsome, so charming. It's just a very cute, wholesome show that I really recommend. And Severance, which is completely different. It's very, it's not really a dark comedy, but it is very intriguing. There's lots of little plot points, beautifully shot, lots of luminal spaces. Um, and just very interesting concepts around work and identity and very interesting show without giving too much away. But that's where you can currently see John Turturro now, uh, also starring Christopher Walken. So definitely go check out Severance. That's my little what to watch this week. All right. So now that we're on happier things, let's get to the fave five. The fave five are my favorite things from the episode. They can be everything from songs, scenes, one-liners. So this week, my first one, number one of five, is the shot of the interrogation with Crockett and Tubbs on either side of the sky. I just thought it was very well done. I made a gif of it. Second is Elvis eating an entire rotisserie chicken that Crockett just throws in his mouth. Like, what about the bones? But I guess to be fair, he's an alligator. He can he can handle bones like nobody's business. Uh, number three, also tying into best dressed. My personal choice for best dressed character this episode is Tony Amato's henchman. I just love what he's wearing. Lots of low shirts, lots of unbuttoned shirts, lots of chest hair, a big thick mustache. This guy is just living 1984. And number four is there's a beautiful shot of Crockett where he's uh, surveilling the pink house and Rita and Tony. And there's this beautiful shot of Miami in the background that's actually a picture. It's not the actual shot of Miami, but I just love the juxtaposition. Just great shot. Also, Crockett looks great in orange. I know that Don Johnson is quite tanned, so I think it just like pops. And then with the contrast of the blue eyes, just pops again because it's opposite on the color wheel. So super handsome. And then my last fave five, which ties into more pink house fun facts, which I couldn't really find. I was trying to find who owned the pink house, who had sold it. But the pink house, um, they do an exterior shot that I loved. And I include in the gallery, just where you can see the glass blocks um, and the lights illuminating the water. Beautiful. And I did add, I think I already mentioned this in the top of the episode, I did add the Google map screen cap. So, and the address is there. You can go check it out if you're in Miami. I'm sure the owners are used to it. <laughs> Not that I recommend going to people's houses, but you know, I'm sure there's maybe like a tour guide or something. And now on to music. So there's only actual two release songs that aren't, you know, the Jan Hammer instrumentals this week. First one, as we kind of heard in the intro, and then we heard again um, during the heist. Not the heist. What's the name for it? The, the deal. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. The deal is I Don't Care Anymore by Phil Collins. And not only does it have a great beat that kind of introduces the song in, very, in a very sexy Miami Vice fashion, but... Let me read you some of the lyrics and ask you who you think about when you hear that song. 
You can tell everybody about the state I'm in. You won't catch me crying because I just can't win. I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. Do you hear? That just makes me think of Rita. And I think she just... She just was at the end of her rope and totally understandable. Honestly, like I said at the end of the episode, honestly, good for her. But yes, this is a great song by Phil Collins. And I think this was on one of my breakup playlists when I was in college. So always love it. Again, I'm a very avid Phil Collins fan. I will always sing Phil Collins at karaoke. This is also how I'm known at the bar I work at because I used to work on Sunday karaoke nights. And people are like, oh, you're the girl who always sings Phil Collins. I'm like, yeah. So I had a piece of studio. I think I tried to do Easy Lover once, but I don't have the falsetto for it, but always a studio. And the other song by Teddy Pendergrass was the one playing when Tony gets really physical with her after he tries to buy her the earrings to try to win her back. And just this juxtaposition of like that sweet, romantic, beautiful song with the violence is a little jarring. Very well done. I'm not trying to take away from that. I understand what they were trying to do cinematically, but super jarring. But however, beautiful song. I love Teddy Pendergrass. My favorite Teddy Pendergrass song is I Don't Love You Anymore. And kind of similar to this juxtaposition, that song is like super upbeat and funky and he's basically saying i'm not in love with you i'll take care of what i got to take care of i'll make sure you won't go hungry but i'm over it i'm not into you i'm out and love teddy pendergrass very talented man well as we conclude this episode i will say i've only done seven episodes but i think this is the first episode where best dressed was not a main character but a guest star and it wasn't even bruce willis it was essentially but you can see all the outfits on viceandeasypodcast.com and there should be a link in the episode description on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. And I want to say thank you for joining me. I know this episode is a little rough, but I think it's really cool that we're able to explore and kind of fall in love with Bruce Willis again as we're going over his first credited television role and from there, he parlayed that into the Twilight Zone. And from there, he went to Moonlighting. And there, he went to Die Hard. There, he went to his whole career. So I think it's really cool that this is where we get to see his start. And we kind of get to pay homage to him on a week that is really sad and really upsetting and you know really hard for his family. So let's just send Bruce Willis lots of love, lots of support to his family. And let's enjoy him while he's beautifully dressed in blue and tight white pants. And thank you again. If you want to know more about this podcast, come visit the website at viceandeasypodcast.com. You can catch me trying to be funny on TikTok and Instagram at viceandeasypodcast.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week, or we will have fun. I do promise you. Next week is all about um, hot wifing and cigarette boats. See you then. Hey, man. Miami Wise is number one new show.